Hello, 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 good people. This is Christine Jones once again from Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC. And we are at episode number 12. Yes, number 12. I know, you already know I'm excited. But yeah, I am. This is big stuff to me. So, it is one of those weeks where there's been still a lot going on. Plus, the heat has been downright disrespectful. But, we're here to see it, and so I'm glad about that. So, in this episode, we're just going to do what we normally do. Talk a little bit about what's going on with us personally. And then we're going to talk a little bit about collections and some of the things that people may not be aware of pertaining to collections. So, stay tuned. Welcome back. So, can someone explain something to me? What is happening in this nation? I have to be honest with you, you know, as the world looks on and views America, I can only imagine what people are thinking. We've had this reputation, which almost seems like it's been fake news, of being so tolerant and being such a hub for making your dreams come true and the entire world is getting a view that looks a lot different from that description and I'm not saying that we're not better off in some respects than other areas of the world but we have a whole lot of work to do we have a whole lot of work to do. I, I am actually quite horrified and disappointed about the way a lot of our neighbors, and at the end of the day, that's what we all are, our neighbors. I, I'm, I'm horrified and disappointed at the way a lot of us are treating this pandemic. For some of us, we have never felt this level of discomfort. So we kind of don't know what to do. And I get that part. But what I don't understand is people not understanding that we are in a pandemic. That almost the entire world is dying or trying to keep from dying at this point. And some of us are just worried about our right to go outside without a mask. Do you not understand that desperate times call for desperate measures? At this point, this is not about your freedom, unless you're thinking about the freedom to live and and to remain alive. This virus is not playing with us. It doesn't care who we are. It doesn't care what socioeconomic background we come from. It doesn't care what race 
kindred, creed, ethnicity, tongue. It doesn't care about all of that. It does what it does. And shouldn't we just, if we can't care about ourselves enough to do it, could we just care about our families and the families of other individuals who may not be as fortunate as some of us to fight off illness? I get it. I hate the masks. I hate them. And I feel like I'm smothering myself by putting one on. But you better believe I put them on. Because on the off chance that that is the thing that is separating me from impending doom, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I certainly would not want to live with the guilt of possibly harming someone else on my conscience. And and, people are just acting downright ugly about putting masks on. Almost to the degree that it, it honestly almost looks like a mental health issue. Now I'm not talking about instances where there may be a a person who is diagnosed with some type of learning disability where they don't process this whole thing. Because I know that as a teacher we have some students who they may be autistic, they may actually have an IQ that puts them in a category where they are very, 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 very far behind in what we could expect for them to comprehend at this stage. I'm not talking about them because that may, that may not be something that they can do. Um, And so different measures would have to be taken for them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who is just dead bent on asserting their right to not wear a mask and who doesn't care about the rest of us. That's an altogether different case. Then I'm thinking about schools reopening. And someone made a very good point. People are meeting in virtual meetings about opening face-to-face or in-person school. How do you have a meeting about it virtually, but you want it to happen in person? There's so, so many unknowns. You know, and school districts are saying, oh, well, everything is gonna be sanitized. I'm, I'm sorry, were you sanitizing before? Help me out with that. And I've spent 23 years in schools. I I know what I know and I see what I see. (laughs) Um, I'm going to leave it at that right, right, right now. But it's not pretty. And I get that parents are having a difficult time. That this was kind of thrust on them. 
And I don't want to seem like I don't care because I absolutely do. But I'm trying to figure out from parents who are expressing this what they thought the job of a parent was. And the reason why I'm asking is because I'm hearing a lot of parents and they're literally saying, now I have to find something to do with my child all day long. I have to teach my child. I have to feed my child three meals a day. Now, I'm not telling you something that I'm making up. I'm telling you things that people, in some instances, have even said to me. And I'm thinking to myself, how horrible that you're only viewing your child as something that you have to... And and I I chose the word something, because it's not like they're even, in some cases, saying that their child is this wonderful human being. It's like they're viewing their child as something that they have to deal with, another thing that they have to deal with. And though they took the time to make this child, they don't feel like being bothered with this child. That's the way it's coming off. And every parent is not saying this. I want to make sure that that's clear. Every parent is not saying that, but I've heard a lot. Parents, you are your children's first teacher. You're teaching them, if, if not you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, you're teaching them how to view the world. You're teaching them, hopefully, how to have manners and self-respect and respect for authority and respect for life. You're teaching them how to sit down when asked, how to not curse out anybody who tries to stand in their way of being free to run around when it's inappropriate to do so. What I see a lot of is that a lot of children have been allowed to get away with a lot at home and it was okay when they were coming to school giving it to us because quite frankly a lot of parents would just shut down and say you you all deal with it, you went to school for it or we wouldn't be able to get a hold of them, or something like that. And now, they can't run from it. And please understand what I'm saying. I am not accusing all parents of wanting to run from their children and all this. I'm not saying that. But there, as with anything, just like there are some teachers who are not decent, (laughs) let's just face it, there are some parents who are struggling with what it means to actually be a parent. You know, and so maybe there's some supports who need that need to be put in place for those parents, but that support does not have to look like those of us who really have nothing to do with that element of the home going into a building which may be unsafe, putting everybody at risk just so that certain parents can get breaks from their children. I feel sorry for you, but this is why it is very important to train up a child. This is why it's very important to not give children these nicknames of of, a war man and, oh, he's so bad. They're going to be a lady killer and all this other kind of stuff because when you find that they grow up to walk in those shoes that you've named them for 
then, then you have problems. And at the very least, if you know you're having problems, accept help. You know, sometimes as a teacher, we call a parent to try to get down to the bottom of why a child is acting the way they're acting, and then we get cursed out and told to mind our business. And we're often told to stay in our lanes, whatever those lanes may be, because as, as a teacher, we have different lanes that we are, are in because, you know, some of us are in different elements of teaching. But we're constantly told to stay in those lanes. And now that there's a pandemic, we're kind of comfortable in those lanes because those lanes are keeping us safe. And now you're like, no, 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 come on out of that lane. I need you. I see now this time I want to stay in my lane because my lane is keeping myself and my family safe. Again, because I, I know that people are going to have some struggles with some of what I've said. I'm not accusing all parents of being bad parents. I'm not accusing all parents of not wanting to be bothered with their children. I'm saying that there are some parents, though, who have said to me that they don't like having to spend this kind of time with their children, and they don't like having to feed them and be their teacher, etc. I can't get around what has actually been said. And when I say that, oh, I'm in a lot of groups, and a lot of these parents are students, have students uh, or children who are not in my class. I don't even know them, and yet they're making these comments. So, I have to. I can. I can only think that this is widespread, and I don't have the answer. Except I know that the answer is not risking all of us, because. If you risk all of us and the unthinkable happens, you're still going to be left taking care of your child when there's nobody available to be in the building because we're all sick or dying. We have to think about that. And what happens in a fire drill or some type of emergency situation where we have to uh, you know, all move to one side of a classroom, there's only inches between children, and we're just trying to keep safe. Now, I, I get it. Somebody may say, well, don't have, don't have that kind of drill. Okay, but then what happens when there's a real emergency? And then someone will say, well, in a real emergency, you're not caring about a pandemic. I get you on that. But you know what? If we weren't in the building, that wouldn't be a question. And you know, there's another pocket of, of people who would say, well, you know, why shouldn't teachers do their job? People in banks have to do their jobs. People in hospitals have to do their jobs. So here's my thing. Every bank that I've gone to throughout this pandemic, for large portions of time, they only had drive-through open. So they weren't coming in contact like that with people. Now that they are open, they're only open for limited amounts of people in there at a time. They're controlling their environment. In a school building, we can't do that. Now, they may do something about class size a little bit, yes, but what about that child who may decide they're not doing it because they have never been made to follow any kind of authority? They take their mask off. 
Or they go and they snatch the mask off of somebody else that they don't like and they cough in their face, etc. This stuff is not harmless anymore. Unfortunately, and I mean no disrespect, if you're in the medical field, this is part of that field. I don't want to see you die either. I don't want to see your family get sick either. But at least this is in the medical field. Teachers didn't sign up for this. And I will tell you, I will be the first one to tell my students, you know, when an emergency does come down or, or when, you know, there has been something where there's been an intruder in the building, there's been some kind of weapon, etc. I tell my students, listen, I'll go down for you. You're doing the right thing. That's my job. I, I, I will go down for you. you. We're right here in this building. It's my job to protect the children. And at one point, you know, I'll say this. My mom was actually volunteering at my school. Um, she she was still recuperating from the injuries from the accident, which she actually still is. That, I, I, you know, that's going to be a lifelong thing. But she wanted to come, and she felt more comfortable at, at, a, at a particular point with at least me being able to sort of keep an eye on her so she would come to my job and they loved her they loved her and people still ask me where's your mom she's so sweet <laughs> so she did a wonderful job but I had to tell my mom this one thing and, and I didn't have to tell her in that she was expecting me to do something different but we had to have this conversation because I had to tell her mom you know you're in here you wanted to come in here and I love having you and you know I love you but at the end of the day, if something happens, I'm being paid to keep students safe. I'm not being paid to keep you safe. So we need to have this conversation because you're my mom and I love you dearly. My heart is going to want to save you. But in this instance, what is right is for me to do my job, which means that I'm going to give my all to save my students. And you have to understand, my mom does not walk well, and it would be very difficult for her to get out of the building if there was an emergency. And so I'm glad that we made the decision for my mom to remain now at home, because that would have, that would have been something that I just could not stand to bear if something had happened to her but I want people to understand you know I had that conversation with my very own mother so I'm not saying that I'm not going to give my all for students and students know that I have I took a broken bone trying to keep someone from entering my classroom who had escaped their classroom and my students were minding their business and working hard concentrating you could have heard a pin drop as they worked because that's what the nature of the assignment required my toe was broken in that and the thing is I didn't even it wasn't even like a tussle with this person 
I simply tried to close my door. And because this person wouldn't get off my door, the door ended up hitting my toe. But I was able to get it closed because this person was coming into my classroom to do damage to my kids, the, the computers, etc. And that nature kicked in that you're not going to harm my kids. You're not. But I took a broken bone for it. About a year later, or two years later, I took a bad concussion for making sure that, you know, someone was next to me. I didn't step in a fight or anything like that. But there was someone after a child. And that person ended up still going after that child. And when they did, just me standing there, I took multiple blows to the head. Now, you have to understand, the former bodybuilder in me did not want to let that happen. But the teacher in me had to take the blows so that I could keep my job. This is what I don't think people understand. So I get all of the different things that people may be saying. But it's just so much easier to keep everybody safe if everybody is at home. And I don't know what anybody else's virtual learning experience was. I did hear from a parent um, in a school district far from my school district about some problems with the virtual learning. And honestly speaking, if it went the way she said, I was horrified with that myself. There, there should have been a better plan. But I know that with my students, we were on every day. I had one of the most um, widely attended sessions in the building. I taught even beyond the time that I was mandated to teach. Children had one-on-ones. If you hear noise in the background, I am enjoying the day. But, you know, I can't control <laughs> what's going on outside. But I like, I like the vibe of allowing the sounds of, of society and, and nature even coming through as, as we're talking. But, um, you know, I, I taught during virtual learning. Parents have my cell phone number. If they, for some reason, didn't want to use that, there was Google Classroom. There was Class Dojo. There was Remind.com. There were all sorts of ways that parents had to get in contact with me, and they exercised all those ways. I was up all day and night. There were times when parents would hit me up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and they got a response from me immediately because I was up and working and making sure that their children's work was graded and making sure that I responded to children's questions and so I happened to be up. So virtual learning for my students was a lot different than what I'm hearing from others. And, and that's a fault of that particular uh, setup. So, you know, somebody may need to step in and, and give assistance there. But I don't want to dwell on that, you know, this part too long. But just to say, people think about all elements of it. It's not, it's not just school needs to start and and you know they need a proper education you can have a proper education at home you really can 
there are pieces that, you know, those of us who are in the educational field would probably put in place for you with that. But there is a proper education to be had at home. So please think about it. You know, think about it. It's not just about your life. It's about the lives of our families and friends as well. Now that brings me to the next issue, which happens to be this heat, which has been disrespectful, I tell you, disrespectful. But at the end of the day, I'm really glad to be alive to feel the heat. But I want to remind you to please take time to watch over your elderly family members, neighbors, etc. Right? I know we have to be careful in COVID-19, but this is the type of heat that can cause someone to have a heat stroke and die. And because both of my parents are with me, I see what happens. So my parents always tell me they're cold. My family doesn't really like air conditioning. We have it. But we don't really like air conditioning. I get that. So you know, I don't like air conditioning too much either. But I will turn it on in a heartbeat if I need it. But my parents are always saying that they're cold. My dad, for years, has liked to be hot, hot. So he still wants to have his sweatsuit on and, and zipped up with no air and a fan that's now act, you know, acting like a convection oven and just circulating heat. And if I were not here, this would go on all day and all night. And then on top of that, sometimes they want the windows closed. If I was not here, that would be a disaster, a tragedy. They don't necessarily feel the sensations of being too hot like we do. Which is what ends up hurting them in the end because they don't realize that they're cooking themselves from the inside out. So thank God I'm here to keep that from even being close to happening. But if you know that you have someone that you are thinking of Please go check on them. And don't necessarily just ask them. if Because older people have learned to exist in sometimes saying what they think other people want to hear. And sometimes their memories are bad. Or they may have had a stroke or something. And, and the logic department of their brain is not necessarily functioning like it should. So they may give you answers that sound correct, but they're completely off base. You don't want to miss any signs. So again, please watch over your elderly family members or friends. Let's help each other get through this. Let's do it. In a few moments, I'm going to come back and talk with you about collections. And some of you thought, I know, that once you get a collections notice, that may be the end of the world. Well, let me tell you why it's not. And I'll tell you when we get back, and I'll tell you what you can do about this situation of getting collections notices. Stay tuned. 
And we are back for the final segment of our episode, our 12th episode. And we're going to talk a little bit about debt collections. Now, quite a few of us probably have, if we have not personally received a debt collection notice, then we probably know someone who has. And so it's very important to understand that it's not the end of the world, but you do want to make sure that you are not just playing these things for cheap. Um, You know, one of the reasons why I started my company, Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC, is because I had been part of another company that was actually giving a lot of misinformation. And, you know, when I find that out, then I separate myself. And so they were very good for saying, oh, you know, just blow them off. Just, just don't, don't, don't have anything to do with them. Just, just hang up and, you know. Well, here's the thing. If a debt collection agency is within the statute of limitations and they have done everything by the book legally, then you can't just blow them off because they do have some rights. Typically what they've done is um, bought your debt from an original creditor. It may be pennies on the dollar, but they've bought it. And if they've done things correctly, and let me stop here and say I am not giving you legal advice. I am not an attorney. I am not authorized to give you legal advice. I'm simply giving you information. What you do with it is up to you, ultimately. But you want to make sure that you don't run the risk of being sued. Some do. And if you are sued, some um, go as far as to just say, well, I'm not going to show up in court. And that's not necessarily a smart move because a judgment can be rendered in your absence and you know sometimes that doesn't look too good if you didn't show okay so we want to make sure that we are looking at things with a keen eye now this whole idea and element of collections can be a very broad one and there's a lot to talk about and I'm not going to talk about all of it today I simply want to talk about the violations part because a lot of times while people don't like the collections And I get it, it's not fun. But what you don't realize is that there are quite a few collection agencies that are not operating legally. And they do a lot of things, a lot of strong arm tactics, and they're against the law. So what happens is, it is set up so that if they're violating you, and, and, and and they know that they're violating you, you can actually receive $1,000 per violation if it was intentional and if there was no harm. So what would be considered harm would be something like you have this debt collection notice. It is The debt is put on your credit report and you go to get a mortgage and you can't because this collection is sitting there. Now, 
that's harm because you were not allowed to get the mortgage. Now, if they did everything correctly, well, then that kind of would be on you. But if they did something that violated you, and we're going to go over a few violations, then you would stand to potentially recoup much more than $1,000. Um, you could actually sue and that lawsuit then could be for X amount of dollars because harm was done. Again, I am not an attorney, and so you would need to contact an attorney to get more information and also to pursue any kind of, of case. But there are consumer attorneys who will actually take your collection notices and scan them for violations for free. And the way they are paid is if there is any award, monetary award, and they would take their payment out of your monetary award if you receive one. And so if anyone has that going on, you, you may contact our company at Clear Choice Financial Solutions, and our website is clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com. My email address is crjones at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com or we also have admin at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com and you can call me directly at 215-901-7651 or you can leave a message at 888-404-5815. Now, we are affiliated with a group of consumer attorneys who will take the notices that consumers give to us and they will scan them for you and let you know if there are any violations. So let's talk about um, some of these violations. And again, these violations are um, what are noted in the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Sometimes you will see that simply as FDCPA. And the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act is actually a an amendment to the Consumer Credit Protection Act. It's Title VIII of that act, and what it does is establishes legal protection from abusive debt collection practices. Now, the importance of this particular act is that it's helpful when you're disputing or attempting to dispute any type of collection account. So if you're in credit repair or you're repairing your own, that's helpful. Um, and it is a standard um, policy, law that is an amendment actually, um, that is used, and this governs whether a collection agency is the one you're dealing with or whether there's an attorney acting as a collection agency. Now, so you have to understand there's sometimes that attorneys will go after debt for companies, but once they are in the position of acting as a collection agency, then they fall under the FDCPA, all right? And so there are often these violations. And let's take a look at um, some of the important sections of the, of, of the FDCPA. And then we'll look at some of these violations. So Section 805 deals with communication, and it governs how and when collection agencies can contact the consumer. Section 806 deals with harassment. So it governs any communication that is meant to harass, oppress, or abuse a consumer. Can't do that. Section 807 deals with false or misleading representations. So 
They're not allowed to misrepresent any element of the debt. Section 808 talks about unfair practices. So they may not use unconscionable means to collect the debt. Right, so they can't just threaten to um, turn you over to the IRS and all that kind of stuff if that's not true. Now, if their full intention is to you know, turn you over to a, another agency and they have, fine, have, have, fine, and they have followed the law, well, then you know, that's not necessarily covered under that. Section 809, validation of debt. So a debt collector must, unless certain other requirements have already been met, um, they must have the total nature of the debt within five days after the initial communication. They have to have that total nature of that debt to the consumer, okay? And Section 812, furnishing certain deceptive forms. So a, a debt collector must not knowingly cause a consumer to believe that another entity is participating in the collection of the debt when they are not. So let's take a look at some of these common violations. And again, if you if any of these ring familiar with you, you may again feel free to contact us and again we can forward your notices to the group of uh, consumer attorneys that we are partnered with and they can scan your notices for any violations. So again, debt collectors may be in violation of the FDCPA when they harass, oppress, or abuse you. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? When they continue collection efforts after you write them to stop. Now notice it says write them. Um, you want to make sure that when you really want a company to do something, that you put it in writing because even if they say that it's on a recorded line, you know that recorded line is going to be in their favor. <laughs> you know that, right? So if you have something in writing, and then oftentimes if you're putting it in writing, it may be good to have certified mail so that you have proof that you actually sent it. Uh, if they contact you after representation by an attorney, so if you are already, if you've already contacted an attorney, there's no need for them to contact you. Once again, I am not an attorney, so I am not giving you legal advice. Simply giving you information, you do with it what you will. They are not allowed to threaten the IRS reporting or any kind of tax consequences if that's not true. They're not allowed to threaten a lawsuit when they are not actually going to do that or go through with that. So you know how sometimes people say, well, I'm going to sue you. Well, they're not allowed to do that if they're just using that as a scare tactic. They're not allowed to call your cell phone without permission. All right? And they're not allowed to call your, your cell phone without permission. And actually, to do so is a violation of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act as well. So there are a lot of these um, violations that may cross different acts, okay? Um, they are not allowed to place your private and personal information in a spot that's visible on an envelope. They're not allowed to misrepresent or miscalculate or inflate the amount of debt. Everything has to be correct. They're not allowed to, to fail to disclose that they are a debt collector. So they can't kind of sneak tip you. They, they can't call and try to act like they're your friend and trying to get some nice information, help you out a bit. 
and all the while they're a debt collector. That is not allowed. They are not allowed to contact you after 9 p.m. or before 8 a.m. unless, this is the big unless, unless you have given them permission to do so. So if you don't want them to do so, then don't give them permission to do so. If you give them to do permission to do so and you change your mind, please then let them know that formally, that you have changed your mind, okay? Um, they cannot threaten wage garnishment for most debts. Now, you know, make sure that you're clear because that, that it, all of this is, a, is, is legal. Um, and when I say that, that it's legal, I mean all of this is in the legal realm. So when these types of things happen, you know, you have to typically have an attorney involved. Um, and so if it if it's the type of debt that does allow for wage garnishment, then you know that has to be done legally. If it if it does not allow for wage garnishment, and that happens, then of course you're still going to have to contact an attorney. So all of these things really would require the assistance of an attorney. Okay. They can't represent that they operate or work for a credit bureau. They can't provide inaccurate or false information to the credit bureau. And if they do, and once, you know, if they do, right, then the Fair Credit Reporting Act says that any information that is incorrect must be removed. So here's another instance where it crosses another act so that if it's there, it has to be removed. Now, if they don't remove it, not only are they in violation of the FDCPA, but they're also in violation of the FCRA. Lot, lot, lots of letters here, I know, right? Uh, they are not allowed to continue collection after you file for bankruptcy. I mean, that's the whole point of bankruptcy, right? They can't fail to report your disputed debt as disputed to the credit bureaus. They can't um, inform you of any untruthful information in an attempt to force you to make a payment. So they can't tell you something untrue in order to force you to make a payment, whatever that untruth may be, right? They can't fail to provide disclosures that are required in their initial and subsequent letters, and they can't confuse you as to who the money is owed to. There are a lot of potential violations, and my suggestion would be that as a consumer, you get to know your rights. And don't just take what someone tells you as face, at face value, right? It is my wish that, you know, even though I run a financial services company, I want consumers to also check me out. Check me out. I want to inspire you to want to know more. I want you to, I want to inspire you to hear what I'm saying and then go check it out. Because at the end of the day, that also helps you to become a better consumer. And if we become better consumers, trust me, these companies will not attempt to do some of the things that they attempt to do because they will know that they cannot get away with it. And that if they try it, they're likely to lose a lot of money. So I'm not gonna go beyond this today. This was a lot and I kind of want to just let it steep a little bit. 
So think about it. Again, though, if you need us, I'm Christine Jones, founder and CEO of Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC. I am a credit improvement coach, and you can reach me at 215-901-7651 or 888-404-5815. You can email me at crjones at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com or admin at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com. And you can interact with our website at clearchoicefinancialsolutions.com. With that being said, I hope you had a good time with us today, and I hope you learned a lot, okay? Um, We'd love to have you on, so if you would like to be on our show, please contact us and say that you'd like to be on. We'd love to have you. If there is nothing else, and I can't think of anything else that, that, that needs to be said right now, We're going to say so long until the next time. We wish you the best. We wish you peace and safety. And God bless.